Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Jen. And today we have our very first panel, you guys, a panel of guests chat with all of you. That's right. So this year, Jen and I are going to host various panels throughout the year. And uh, these panels are going to have expert matter specialists on here, really, in within our community. And they're going to come on, they're going to tell their story, they're going to give us some insight on their expertise. And this month, we have two very successful ladies that are in our reselling community. They're actually in the reselling luxury space. And uh, their names are Issa and P, but you may know them as the Global Collective Co. and For the Love of Luxury on Instagram. We cannot wait to sit down with these ladies and deep dive into their business model, sourcing, authentication of items, and so much more. We will see you at the table. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Thrifters Villa. Today, we have Isa and P. You may know them as the Global Collective Co. and for the love of luxury on Instagram, because no one actually knows everyone's real name, right? We just know IG handles. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So thank you for being on here today. Thank you for joining me in this conversation. So this is going to be our first panel. You guys are our first group that we're going to do this with. We're going to try to do these every month where we have expert matter Uh, individuals come on and talk about things that they're really great at that will help our community. But before we get into all the questions and all that kind of stuff, um, I want you guys to kind of introduce yourselves and tell everyone a little bit about your backstory, how you got into reselling, what's your background in, all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, Isa, I'll start with you. Just as I muted myself. Hello, everyone. My name is Isa, Isa Diaz. I am the Global Collective Co., uh, I am currently in a little beach town in Mexico. So if you guys hear trucks, dog fights, the tamale lady come by, the <laughs> knife whistler, like we're just going to have to power through this. Uh, and just a little bit about myself. I run the Global Club Collective Co. It's uh, I, I basically focus on designer luxury resale. I've been doing that since day one. I have a giant truck. I have a really extensive background in like retail. I I did retail sales, retail management. I did retail buying for Kitson. I did uh, a lot of marketing, CPG, brand manager for your company. So I think I took, and I've talked about this in in, in past episodes and stuff, but I used to kind of wonder, you know, what I was doing, what I was getting from all these jobs. Like, what was the point? This wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. And as I worked up and the ladder and got higher positions, I was more and more unhappy. And I was like, what, what am I doing here? And the truth is I found, you know, the global collective and I found reselling and it, it, it just all clicked into what I wanted to do. But I think it's really cool that until that, up until that point, I had no idea why I had done all these jobs. And then all of a sudden it just clicked, right? I had gotten little pieces from every single job that helped me build what I have now. And so I think it's really important that even though you might be in a job that you don't like now, or you might, you know, kind of be wondering if you want to stay in the corporate world, leave the corporate world, start your own business. I think it's really important to understand what each step teaches you. So I started the Global Collective a couple of years ago. I was reselling for a while, but I really wanted to brand the company and, and focus on like, you know, the luxury aspect of it. And then it kind of evolved into this. Uh, there weren't that many people doing luxury when I came into the community. And I think it was like, if you kind of followed the, the Instagram posts, it was a lot of like thrift hauls and what sold and stuff like that. And I think I, I kind of took the business side of it. Like I'm very numbers and data oriented. Like I need the proof. I need the math. Like I need to know the facts. I'm just that kind of a person. So I think that that kind of took a different route with the global collective with a lot of people asking me for help and guidance and, you know, like a lot of information that I didn't think was helpful out in the community. So I would disprove it or or try to like present a different way. And then that turned into the, the consultations and, you know, helping people like optimize time and money and like figure out, you know, the, the areas of opportunity for their business. So it's been a wild ride. Like it's been, it's been pretty cool to, to be able to, to do all this. And, you know, we talked about it. I had like a little bit of a burnout case a couple of weeks ago and I was like, what if I just stop? What if I, you know, 
one of those breakdowns we all get like every few months. And I kind of went through the steps and went through imagining like, hey, what if I just stop? What, what, what do I do? And I ended up in a really cool place where I'm like, I love my job. I love what I do. I, you know, I think I just had a case of the being a woman in this time. So that's, that's kind of my, my background in a not so short nutshell, because I talk a lot. No, it's fine. Issa was on the podcast season one. So I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Haven't listened to that. You can listen to Issa's full story. Um, and, you know, Issa and I kind of share a little bit of a background being in marketing, being in retail. Um, Issa's background is a little more extensive than mine when it comes to that. But we both have very similar experiences with that. And I think totally. it's fascinating to see the evolution of someone of how you start in like all these little minor jobs that you don't really care too much about like they're fun but you don't really pay attention to it and then everything just slowly starts to evolve and like I've noticed that with myself too where I always knew I wanted to be in business but I like and still to this point I know what direction I want to go in with it all but it's like getting there and that journey of getting there and I feel like when you started doing the consultations at first you were like this is so much work and it you know this requires so much of my time and now you've reached a point where you're like I actually really enjoy doing these consultations all the time and I'm having fun learning about people in the community and like branching out and all that it's so like it there's just an evolution that happens that naturally happens when you fall into the right place at the right time totally and I think there's a weird it's gonna sound super cheesy I'm gonna sound like you know one of those guru speakers. I think at what point it's like, it's really cool to just make a lot of money and make easy money and flip for big and da, 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 da. But you're not really contributing. You're not really helping anyone. It's not really changing anyone's lives. And so when I started the consultations, I don't like to work that much. Like, I don't want to be a boss babe hustle culture. None of that. Like I'm trying to not work. Like if I could be a Hilton, I would be, but I can't. So I gotta, I gotta figure out how, how to get that money. And I just think that like, to have someone come and be like, dude, you know, like I made way more money this month. I beat my quarters. I, you know, mm-hmm. I can't believe how much this has changed my business. It's kind of like, okay, I'm like, I'm leaving something, right? I'm, I'm, it, I'm helping. And, and I think that a, a lot of people kind of talk about the competition and more people online now and da, da, da. There's enough for all of us. Like the World Wide Web is large, right? And you making more money doesn't take away from my pocket. So I, I really enjoy them now. Like I just, I like them more than reselling, you know? I think it's just, I, I like to talk. I like to know about people's stories. I'm, I'm a chatter, as you guys can see. So it's been a really cool experience to do those. I yeah. really, really enjoy them. And it's been great to like be in the background and see you grow from it too, because um, contrary to what many people believe, we're actually friends in real life. So yes, yes <laughs> virtual real life, but we are friends. One yeah. day we will meet, it yes, will happen. Yes. yes. Um, but Issa's evolved into like, you know, the Global Collective Co has evolved. And in, in turn, you have evolved because of it. And it's just great to see just the, the difference too between season one when you were on to now and just just how all that has changed. But that's that's Issa's story. And I love it. It's great. Now we're going to move on to P. And P, I want you to share with everyone who you are, P, Paola, you know, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to call her P because that's how I know her. Hey, all. Thanks for having me. My name is Paola, but you can call me P. Uh, You can find me on Instagram for the love of luxury. Uh, So I started, I actually, I've always been into fashion since like the Selena days where she used to design her clothing. Um, And then I went to (laughs) SAD for fashion design. So um, after like graduating from SCAD, everyone was going moving to New York to LA and I was like I don't want to do that I don't want to design for corporate companies let me figure out what I want to do but I knew I did not want to work for a corporate company so I moved to Atlanta crashed at my friend's house until I found some like I found a job Um, I ended up taking a live-in nanny position and then have getting a part-time in the area for a local consignment store And all I had to do part-time was photograph luxury handbags, load them on their website. And that's where I really started to learn. And um, it became obsessive because I would photograph the bag. I wanted to know what runway collection it came from, 
what's the style, when it was made, all that information. So that that's how naturally I started gravitating to like having this obsession of wanting to know all about it. Um, and within that company, I started learning everything about a consignment business brick and mortar, where eventually I became the regional manager of their three stores in the Atlanta area. So I'm very knowledgeable in the consignment brick and mortar businesses. And that is how I learned, taught myself how to authenticate. Um, And then from there, once I left that company, well, actually during the time of working there, I got contracted by a authentication company, one of the first ones they're globally known. Um, And I've been working for them for, I want to say since 2015. Oh, wow. Quite some time. No, 2013. No, my son was, yeah, 2015. That's when my son was born. So I've been working um, as a contracted authenticator for that authentication company. Um, 2018, I left the, I left my regional manager position and I started working for myself. I got on Poshmark, started listing the things I had accumulated from shopping at the consignment store. And that's really when I started working for myself. That's great. I, um, I think it's great that you were so invested in learning about like the history of an item and the, and just like the story of it and how to authenticate yourself. Like that really got you started was understanding that process. I'm like you, I like to research every little thing and understand every aspect of whatever it is. I need to know all about it so that I can become an expert at it. And then I can share that with everyone else around me, but then I can grow myself and get to that next level. Like that's the way my brain works too. Uh Um, but I, I think that's great. And I think you have done like you're, I know you, and most people probably know you that are listening as the girl to go to, to authenticate things for like, for the love of luxury, you want an authentication. That's, that's where you go within the community. And she's going to tell you if it's real or fake, you used to do the Instagram stories too, where you used to show the different items and they would be real close. Like you'd have to really understand the intricates of each designer brand to know like, oh no, that that's a fake. The real doesn't, the real brand yeah. doesn't actually do that. And I think, you know, that's kind of how you started to evolve in the community. And I, and you are a reseller. So is Issa. These ladies are both resellers, but they both resell similarly and differently all at the same time. So um, P, would you say that the majority of your business is like mid-tier luxury, like for your luxury goods that you do acquire, are they just consignment based? Like how, how would you break down your business today? So today it's evolved. Most of my reseller income comes from luxury items. Um, Most of it I buy myself. I do have consigners here and there, um, but most of it is luxury. And it's like the Louis Vuitton, the Gucci. Um, A lot of it is vintage because it is more affordable uh, versus like the newer items, especially with the prices always getting raised by these uh, houses. Um, The, I like to, attainable luxury, you know, something that I know isn't too overly high price, that it's very more attainable to the majority of the audience. And I like to sell on my website. I do live sales monthly on Facebook. Um, Of course, Poshmark, eBay, all that, but I would say not on those platforms, more so like on my live sales is where I sell a lot of my stuff. Two things for that. One, Issa, I want your input on this too. Um, would you agree that the general consumer isn't looking for that like new bag that just came out last year and they're trying to attain it and, um, you know, they're looking for things that are more affordable in the luxury space. Would you, would you agree with that, that testament? I think there's customers for that too. Yeah. There's definitely customers who want the new item who are willing to pay more than what it retails for Mm. because, you know, but there's. I think my, my customers, and I like to, I like satisfaction of being able to sell to someone who's like, oh my God, this is my first luxury bag. Like I Mm -hmm. I can afford it. Or I can't believe like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I love that feeling of being able to do that for someone. Absolutely. In terms of attaining it though, do you think it's, well, I I would assume it's easier to attain the more vintage pieces than it would be to attain the newest, greatest thing. Um, The VIN, I, in my opinion, the vintage is more attainable than the current because the prices are higher. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Well, but that makes sense. You, you know, you know, it's just, it's all, I mean, even vintage pieces can be very expensive depending on what it is. It just all really just depends, you know, on the brand, the style, all that. Yeah. 
that's the thing too with luxury because people ask these questions all the time and then Issa, you can respond they always want to know like well what should i exactly be looking for when it comes to luxury and it's like well there's there's really no one answer to that because it's just so vast can you hear me yes we can hear you yes okay so i think what p just touched on is really important like i don't mess with vintage i think he is way better at that. She has way more experience on it. So for her, it's like easy breezy and the cost makes sense. For me, it's like, I don't want to spend time trying to figure out if it's, if it's, you know, authentic or not. If I have to have stuff, I'll go to P that I'm like, like, I'm not gonna, you know, P's the vintage girl for that. But as far as like luxury, so I look at it, I look at this whole thing as an investment. So I'm kind of betting against the U.S. dollar at this point, which isn't that hard to do right now where we're in and where we're at and with inflation and stuff. And so for me, it's kind of like, does it, so I'm kind of holding, you know, let's say I'm paying three, 400 bucks on a bag, right? 500, whatever. I'm holding 500, you know, paper dollars in my hand and I'm going, I bet that these $500 are worth way more in this piece then in my hand or the bank. And that's kind of how I look at the whole luxury thing. So for me, I'm also, I'm also, I have a very high risk tolerance. I think that I've built it up over the years. I think it's just a personality thing. Like I like blackjack. I don't know. Like I feel I get a lot. That, that's why I love numbers though, right? Because I get my data. I got my numbers. There's a story they're telling me. So it's easier for me to pull the trigger. Um, but I think it's just about like for me, as far as the luxury and sourcing and that stuff, it's, it. it I wouldn't say it's about like the biggest, newest, best is, is there room for the profit that I'm trying to flip? Yes or no? Yeah. That's a good way to look at it too. I, you know, I I think that uh, there's so many different ways, whether you're selling luxury or you're selling mall brands, there's so many different ways to look at it. Like, what are you willing to risk in it? What are you willing to invest in it? And then are you okay with the return that you could possibly get? Like, you know, that, that, and are you okay with making a mistake? Like, are you okay with sitting there and then realizing, okay, this really wasn't a good idea. Now I know moving forward. And instead of getting discouraged by using that knowledge to empower you for the next move that you're going to make. But uh, I think that risk aversion, I think that a lot of people aren't willing to take riskier bets is what kind of holds them back too. Because think of it this way. This is something that I talk about in my consultations, right? What's your risk tolerance? How much money would you be, would you be willing to put into a stock? right now and not care if you lose it right like what right. what's that number right everyone's so let's financial say, situation is different too totally mm-hmm. so you've got to know so that's the other thing about people comparing themselves to my posts my posts are there to inspire you you can't like we don't have the same stories we don't have the same bills right. we don't have the same beat needs so don't try to beat me try to beat yourself from last year right but when we're talking about the risk tolerance thing let's say that p's risk tolerance is 300 bucks right that's that's her like cutoff point let's say you're riskier and you're like i don't know i would dump a thousand dollars into a stock and if i lose it fine right my risk tolerance is let's say two thousand right so we all put in that money into stock. It doubles. P got back $600. Yay. She can like, you know, buy herself a pair of shoes. I don't even know if you can afford a pair of shoes these days. I was going to say, I don't even know if that's like, possible. <laughs> I don't even know if that's happening, but okay, shoes. And then you doubled. You've got $2,000. Yay. You can go to Europe, right? I've got 4000 I could do a couple trips. Yay. Think of the guy that put in a million, right? Right. As you as you get more information, as you have more data and facts, the truth is, and people hate when, you know, people don't like this, people don't like a lot of stuff these days, but it's that whole like no risk, no reward, right? The higher the risk, the higher the possible payout. You also have the risk of losing. So you have to be a person that's operating from data and facts. You're okay to lose that money. And you're kind of like taking these calculated risks. Yeah, absolutely. P, do you have anything you want to add to that? Um, I did. I loved what um, Issa said about what you're willing to risk. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also like she said, like, let's say I had the $300 and I flipped it and now I have $600. Well, I'm not buying me a new pair of shoes. I'm going to rinse and repeat and do it all over huh. again. 
Yep. Exactly. 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 And that, that's the thing, right? In all three, in all four situations, we all win. It's just whoever was willing to put more in is going to get more out. And with the losses, like people are really, it, there's so many studies on how people are, they play not to lose, right? They're not playing to win. They're just playing not to lose. And I think that's kind of like, you know, oh, you know, I don't want to lose this amount of money or whatever. I kind of, I write that into my business plan, right? I assume that every year we're going to lose a thousand bucks in product. So. Nope. She froze. (laughs) Can you guys hear me? Yep. You're back. Okay. So, so what was I saying? Cause now I lost my train of thought. Um, um, people aren't willing to, they play it safe versus like playing to win. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of studies that show that people usually play not to lose. And so I think that plays a big role on what you're willing to do for your, for your business. Right. And so for me to write in those losses, it's like, okay, well, I assume we're going to lose a thousand bucks in inventory. Someone's going to, someone's going to get stolen. Something's going to get broken. Something's whatever. If it doesn't happen, then I got my thousand back. Right. But if it does, I already knew that I'm not going to freak out. But at the end of the year, if I made 10, 20, 30, 40 grand profit, does that loss matter? Right. right. It's just the, I think there's a cost of doing cost business. Of doing business. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is why these two ladies are on together. <laughs> just finish it, finishing each other's sentences or talking yeah. over each other like good Latinas. No, but it's just like-mindedness too and running your business in an efficient way, in an effective way. It's not just efficient, it's effective and understanding what it actually means to run a business, which I think, you know, I don't want people to come after me and it's okay if you do, but I don't think this community, this reselling community, the Poshmark community necessarily has that instilled in them. I feel like the majority of things that we see on social media um, are the halls and look at all these wonderful things that I bought. And, you know, it, there's a lot of like fluff in it and there's nothing wrong with that because not everyone is doing this full time. Not everyone's doing it to make money. Some people are doing this as a hobby because it's something that they can do. It gets them out of the house and they enjoy doing it. And that's fine. Um, but I feel so like here's, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, you go. No, uh, uh, Cause <laughs> I forget stuff. So here's the flip side of that though. There's, there's a, there's a, there's been a shift in the content lately. And a lot of people are giving out more business advice and more information. It doesn't necessarily mean it's good business advice, right? So like, I cannot explain to you how much I hate when people say, keep your cost of goods low. What does that mean in terms of what? in relation to what are you talking about? Like I had one time when I, I, oh, big motorcycle. Okay, so, sorry, we got sound effects. It's right, it's entertainment. <laughs> I bought something for 200 bucks. I did a post on it. I bought something for 200 bucks. I flipped it and after fees and everything, my profit was 150. And I had someone message and say, why aren't you following the three times cost rule? I'm like, lady, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've been in business for a long time. I have never heard that. So it turns out she heard it in a Facebook, in a reselling Facebook group. And it's a rule that they use in the food industry, in the like hospitality industry. I'm like, what do you, that, that doesn't even match. Oranges. <laughs> you apples can't compare oranges, it. Lady. Like, where are you coming from? So, so I do want to say like, be really cautious of who you're listening to. Like, I have no doubt that Susie reseller is trying to help. Like, I don't think people do it with that intention, but, but where's the facts? Where, where's the data on this? Like what, you know, what's, what's Susie's goal? What's her profit? What's her background? Where did she get this information? Like, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I always tell my clients, do the math, right? Like, like check, listen, you know, maybe it's good advice, but do the, does it make sense? What does the data say about this? Right. 
Yeah. And I think it depends on like what, what model you're trying to have for your business and what, like, what's your end goal here? And, you know, there are instances that I may say that your cost of goods need to be low, but it's for a specific thing. So the only time that, and I never, so Issa taught me this in the very beginning, when we first became friends. She always taught me about the investment thing. And I give credit to her because I, I was in Nordstrom Rack one time. I will never forget this. It was when I first, I spent six, how much I spent? $350 on two pairs of Burberry shoes at Nordstrom Rack. And I sent Issa a message and I said, do I do this? Like, am I stupid if I leave these two pairs of shoes behind? And she was like, yeah. Like, what's it worth to you? Like, what's the investment? What's the return going to be? What's it look like for you? And I could do it. It was financially okay for me to do it. And it ended up being really great because one pair of shoes sold for 300. So that right there brought me back my money. And then the net, the, the second pair was just pure profit at that point. Um, so I think there's a time and place for a low cost of goods, right? Like just to play devil's advocate, like if you're consigning with the real rail or with red up or something like that, like you're not selling it yourself, and there's a third party involved and they're taking a cut. Plus there's, you know, whatever percentage they're going to give you a certain brand. So like, for example, the real world now has a 30% that you make off of like very generic brands, like Diane von Furstenberg and stuff, you get 30%. Well, what point is it worth if you'd even send it in then at that, you know, like, is it worth it to send that brand in now? Because if you're paying $10 for a piece and then they're taking their cut and you'll get 30%, did you just make your money back or less? But there's a, but there's difference there. So people assume that, so when Susie reseller says, keep your cost of goods low, some people will get in their head that I'm not going to spend more than $10 per item. Correct. Okay, girl. Well, you just price yourself out of, out of a lot of stuff. So I keep my cost of goods low in regards to my profit goal, like in regards to the potential profit of it. Like I, I keep my cost of goods low so that it fits my model. But to just tell people, keep your cost of goods low and have newbies go, okay, I'm not going to spend more than $10 an item. You just priced yourself out of a lot of opportunities, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't think there's enough talk about that in the community as well. I just, it's all, and, and you're right. A lot of it is, is you need to keep your cost of goods low and period, end of story. Don't, don't continue. Don't explain it. Don't move on from it. This is it. This is what you need to do. Um, do you experience that 2P when people come to you and they have questions and, you know, about whatever it is, maybe they see a piece and they want to buy it and they want to flip it and they come to you for authentication. Do you run into the same situation? Um, I mean, I see, like, I get what Issa is saying, like in the community, there's like that side where people are like, you know, cost of goods. I don't spend over a dollar. I only do mm-hmm. the bins or whatever. Um, I, I just, I'm more of a, like mind my own business. Y'all do what you want. Um, (laughs) If you ask me for advice, I'll give you my advice. Um, But I, so most of my luxury items, okay, so I do luxury, but then I also thrift Mm -hmm. because it's just for my mental health. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then I resell some, you know, lower price items, but it's just kind of that bout, like to me, it's, it's more so fun. Mm -hmm. Um, If I'm talking business wise, like though, I'm sticking to the more luxury items and it doesn't always have to be luxury, but I'm willing to spend $50 if it's going to make me, you know, 60 bucks or something like, you know, like it just Mm kind of depends on your model. Um, And I think it's super great what Issa is offering to the community um, so they can see that in front of their computer with numbers and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's amazing what she does. Yeah. I think too, when you're talking about like um, cost of goods and how much should you spend and stuff like that, it's funny because people, when they jump on the consultation, they're kind of nervous because they think I'm going to force them to go get all Louboutin. That's crazy that people people, think that. That's wild to me. What I do is very, very extreme guys. But so, so again, when I post those wins, it's, it's an inspiration, but I don't have kids. I don't have crazy bills. I have like savings and I've got investments and I built up a lot of capital in this business so I can afford to take riskier bets and stuff. But, but the truth is like, it doesn't have to be designer. It has to be a decent profit, a decent return on your time and money invested, right? So like P said right now, she's like, I'm willing to flip 50 bucks if it's it's gonna give me 60, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd be willing to put 50 bucks in if it's gonna make me 25 in one flip, right? First of all, you're beating inflation, you're beating the bank, right? Like who in the market right now is offering you a 50% return on your money? 
no, <laughs> no one. one. <laughs> so like, even though I like big, big profits and I've got these goals and stuff like that, like just in general, it's like, what's your bank giving you for that money, girlfriend? Not pennies. much, right? You're getting pennies. Literal pennies. The, like people are like, oh, it's risky. And I'm like, I don't know. Inflation eating your money is kind of risky too. <laughs> you know, it, it's true. And it depends on how you, how you really look at it. I mean, I was one, when I first came into the community, like totally naive, I didn't know anything about, I, first of all, I didn't even know there was a reseller community. Let's start off with that. I had no idea this community even ex- existed three years ago, almost four years ago. And then all the things that I always saw, just, just speaking from my own personal experience was you know, going to the bins and keeping the, just like we had said, right. Keep the cost of goods low and, you know, focus on, focus on all of that. And I, um, started to hate reselling. Like, and I always loved flipping things. I've done it since I was a kid. I've always flipped things. It's just who I am as a person, flip my bags to get a new bag that I really want. Like that's what I did. Um, and when I finally stopped paying attention to what everyone else around me was doing and started to focus on the things that I really enjoyed doing and reselling. And for me, I love fashion. I love learning about fashion. I love watching runway shows. I love designers. I love all that stuff. So I incorporate those aspects in my business, but I also realized that a part of me likes to also help others. And in that, and in doing that, I do like going to thrift stores and buying those mid-tier brands and stuff and and offering it to someone at a discounted price that maybe can't afford to go into anthropology or can't afford to go and get something at, I don't know, Neiman, whatever it is, right? It doesn't matter. They can't afford to go to those stores. So now I have that piece in my closet at half the price and they're able to come in and get it and they're thrilled, you know? So like a part of me really loves that helping aspect of it all too, which is why I incorporate so many different things. I don't generally thrift things that um, aren't going to bring me at least double or triple my money. That's just not how I operate. Right. And I know Issa probably has a comment to make about that, but <laughs> well, I'm going to write, I'm going to, I'm an old lady now. So I got to start writing <laughs> down my thoughts if I forget them, but um, I do I have see never thrifted. I know, which is wild to me. That's just wild to me. But <laughs> I do see though, what you say when like, you're going to spend 50 and only make 20 or 25. I do see the value in that too. So I see the value in both aspects of it. I just generally, the way that I go is I like to at least double, but I, there have been instances where I've only made 15, but I've experienced the brand and I've gotten different people to come into my store and look at things and buy things from me. So like there's, it, there's pros and cons it just depends on what you're comfortable with, I guess. I think that's, I mean, that's something that I tell my clients right away when they, when they literally, the first thing I address is I want you to be very, very intentional with the kind of content you consume, right? Mm -hmm. Susie's nice. She's got a lot of followers, but does the math make sense? Is the data there? Where are we getting this information from? Right? What, what, what's going on? What's And then the other side of that is like, I think I had a huge advantage that I wasn't part of the, of the community. I literally started during the pandemic. I have never thrifted. I've gone into thrift stores. I've yeah. just never thrifted for this business. I started with uh, consignment stores. Right. So I got spoiled. And by the time I tried to thrift once, I was like, oh, no, no, no. They've already sorted the stuff out for me over there. And I'm big on like, you know, I, I do what I do best, which is what we're talking about with me and me. I do what I do best. And then I find someone to do the rest. That's the way that I work, right? Like that's why I built up my profits. That's why I need this cash flow and stuff, because I know that I am the best at online sourcing and editing. I'm really good at that. So that's what I focus on. And then I find help in the other areas that's going to optimize the business, right? So I think it's just, Again, in the community, I have no, no doubt that people are trying to help, but, but you really have to kind of look at your own life, your own business, your own money, what your goals are. And it's like, does what she's saying align with this? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not being snobby or not being, it's, I don't not thrift. Like I would go in a thrift store and see if I can find something for me. I just, with my profit goals and the way that my business runs and my bills and the cost of my goods and stuff, I need bigger flips. I need those like you know, those big wins and, and kind of because I came from that background, because I did work at those stores and I couldn't afford anything at Nordstrom's when I worked there, but I went and looked at everything, right? Like I touched everything. I looked at everything. I dreamt of all the stuff I was going to pay. I mean, buy, but I never did. And so I think all of that really helped me kind of jump into luxury right away. I actually don't know where I would start if I thrifted. Like, I don't have a background in that. So I would feel more uncomfortable 
trying to figure out how to do that than just go with what I know. And I think that's kind of what people need to focus. It's like, we're not resellers, we're business owners, right? I tell my Thank clients you. this all the time. Like, I think that you would get more out of following Mark Cuban, right? Than Susie reseller. Want to know how to build a business? That guy knows. Right. I'm not saying cancel Sue's, right? If you want to watch Sue's. <laughs> Whoever Sue's you- is, we're not canceling yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Sue's, you're not canceled. We, you know, we're just trying to figure out if this is the best information for our individual business, like yeah. our business needs, our costs, our cash flows. Like, does this make sense for me? And I that's think the question we good, should all ask. You bring up a good point too. And P, I'm curious what your thoughts are too. Like finding out where you like to source, what, like, is it a thrift store? Is it the bins? Is it a consignment store? Is it buy, sell, trade? Is it online? Like, what is it that you enjoy to do to get, to get your inventory and where can you get your inventory in a efficient manner as well? Because I can walk into the thrift store all day long. I'm not going to find the brands that I want in most of the thrift stores around here. I'm going to have to search and find those resources and do the hunting to get those pieces. So, Yes. So when you go thrifting, it's, you don't know what's going to happen. You're wait not to say you're wasting time, but time, your time's valuable. So like, if you go to a thrift store, you might find maybe five pieces, like decent pieces. And you spent like maybe an hour doing that. So it's kind of like, mm. so like I said, I do the thrifting for my mental health, but for like my business profit goals, I do online sourcing. I do, buy, sell, trade store online and in store. I do consignment stores and I have clients who can sign with me. Um, those are the easiest because easiest way for me to source because consignment, I'm not investing any money and they're bringing the items to me or they're shipping them to me um, online uh, because I can do it from my bed Correct. and it gets shipped to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my favorite kind of sourcing. Yep. Same. I agree with you. I did something totally out of the norm for myself, but I bought a box from a company. Just, I just, it's a luxury box and I know it's going to have damages and stuff in it. I know, I know. I'm not going to share any details right now because I want to, I want to test it out. I know. I'm just like, "Mm." Mm -hmm. I've never done it before, but the cost wasn't that bad. Each piece only cost me $8. So at the end of the day, okay. It, it wasn't bad. No, no, no. It's sitting right here. I haven't even, op- I only opened one piece because I was curious. I was like, all right, I just one piece just to see how bad it is. And, and it's not that bad. So, um, but that's only the one piece that I opened so far. I, and the only reason why I did it, and it was the risk before you go, Isa, <laughs> it was a, <laughs> it was a risk that I wanted to take to test it out, to see why everyone does this all the time. Number one, it's out of pure curiosity for me because I don't understand it. I've never bought a box from anything anywhere. Okay. I've never done it. I want to do it as a, as a, as content, obviously. And just from my own knowledge that I understand what it is that these people see the incentive of when it comes to these boxes and just like that process of it all. And then understand the business aspect of it and, and how much money these businesses are actually making by doing this. That's why I'm doing it. I was going to say it's really out of character for like, I did 100% out of character. character. Yeah. So what I want to add to something you've said is, I don't, you know, it's time to be the party pooper. I I think that uh, like a lot of the things that I talk to my clients is about, uh, again, right. We're running a business. There's a lot of emotional stuff going on. Like a lot of like, I like to do this. I want, you know, I do this because it's fun. It's my hobby. Hold on, sister friend. If your money is invested in it, it's a business, right? So we're trying to optimize it. And, And when it's like, you know, I, when I talk to my clients and they're like, oh, I just, you know, I don't like to do that, but I like to do this. And it's like, what does the math say though? Who's paying you the most, right? So, and so, so there is an element to like, like, listen, you know, I want people to enjoy their lives and stuff, right? I want you to enjoy your job. But when you're like, oh, well, what do you, where do you enjoy to source? Okay, maybe consider that, but where are you making the most money when you source, right? Like, like, where's the profit coming from? Because I I have clients that will say like, well, I think I feel, and I'm like, but there's no proof in that girlfriend. There's no, there's no feeling in data. Data is data. It is, it is what it is. Your business, your business does not care about your feelings and emotions and Mm -hmm. thoughts and beliefs. It just knows black and white numbers. 
so true. I would like to welcome in Jen into the podcast. <laughs> welcome, hey, welcome, Jen. Jen. <laughs> Hi, ladies. I'm sorry. I haven't said anything because I, I like jump in and I'm like immediately fascinated by this conversation <laughs> on what's going on. Um, you know, so here she is. Yes. No, I'm very excited. I'm very excited that you guys are here. I, I love hearing the passion and everything that you're saying. And I am like nodding in agreement from the moment that I walked in. I was like, yes, yes, yes. preach. <laughs> I know. I, I love Issa's no, face really when I said great. I bought a box because it's not, I have never done it and it's not part not, of my business plan at, at all. And I don't agree with it. <laughs> but you know what? If you don't try these different things, right, how are you going to involve in your business, right? Because you need to know what your limitations are. What what are you willing to do? What are you willing to push yourself to get mm-hmm. to? Are you willing to pay more money? Because that is definitely something I remember, Daniela, you and I, we started doing retail arbitrage before it was super popular. Yeah. And I remember a lot of people, people thought we were crazy. That we were crazy <laughs> for going into like Nordstrom racks or um, discount stores, right? Mm-hmm. And ser- like searching through their clearance racks and paying sometimes, you know, $20, $30, up to $50. $100. right? And so it's like, but if the return is there and the value is there and you've done your homework and you know what you're going to do, you're going to make a profit. A profit is a profit, right? I mean, I know people who buy things at the bins for, you know, cents and then, you know, they get 10 bucks out of it. After fees, they get seven bucks out of it. And it's like, well, that's seven bucks. I could have, I could have done that with a $50 item and, you know, paid 60 bucks or whatever and gotten 60 bucks for it or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's like, it's just how you kind of look at things, right? And what are you comfortable with selling? And also what, it, what, what excites you to, right? What's mm-hmm. exciting for you to sell as well? That's also really important. I think that's where you have to focus your passion. You know, your passion needs to be making money yep. in your business. That's where the passion needs to be. Yes, we all love to source. Yes, we all love to find all these things. And it's really exciting. But it's like, if it's not making you money and not bringing value to your business, then it is something that you need to reevaluate, right? And kind of like Issa said, on the things that you're a little bit skeptical on, you're not too sure about, that's where you have to start looking at. Maybe I need to outsource this for somebody else. And that's not necessarily saying that you're going to have to pay a lot of money for a professional. You know, it's even like my husband is much better at finances than I am. He does my finances for me, you know, because I don't like to do it. Mm -hmm. So it's like finding those people, those individuals too, that can help you with your business in the places that you feel that you're not strong enough for. Here comes Isa. <laughs> Listen up, guys. So recently, a troll commented on my Instagram, okay. $200 for a consultation. I'd rather spend that on inventory. And I was like, the wrong, the wrong inventory, but go ahead. Say that. <laughs> Knock yourself out. And, the fun, you know, and someone else is like, well, how do you get away charging $200? for you know an hour you're paying for my experience people not not my time you're paying for the all the days that I cried as a retail buyer not knowing how the heck I was going to fix something you pay for the mean bosses that I had that taught me this you know Mm -hmm. by force you pay for the hours I spent you know thinking of marketing campaigns for that's what you're paying for not not my time so you know Move it along, sister. If you don't think this there's value in this, this ain't for you. Right. So true. It's so yeah. true. And I'm sure people think the same way when it comes to authentication too. They're like, I don't need someone else to authenticate this for me. I know this. Like I, I saw a YouTube video. I yeah. I, I can I can figure it out. <laughs> I don't need yeah, pee. Um yes. so I'm gonna make two comments about that. So in the beginning, when I entered the reseller community, I'm a very like I love helping people. So I would give my two, my two cents that was not asked for privately DM. Hey, just FYI, the shoes you posted that you thrifted today. Um, just giving you my opinion. I think they're fake, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And some people would get offended. And then over, oh, oh yeah, I was sure. like, you know what? You ungrateful people. I'm going to keep it moving. Um, and a lot of people, when you're like, they're like, oh, how much do you charge? $20 per authentication. They're like, can you do it for free? Can you do it for 10? What? No. no. And I, I literally have to tell people in my DMs. Mm-hmm. You, I said, if, if, I'm, if I may not be the right fit for you, but there's plenty of other authentication companies uh, that you can look into that also charge. Right. Like, right. 
I'm well, sorry, every, $20 is very affordable for authenticity. <laughs> that's very Just affordable saying. for for peace of mind too, when I'm going to be, you know, selling something for hundreds of dollars. And plus, I think that we've realized though too, all as sellers and as business owners that we realize everybody wants something for free. That's just what, how it is. It's always going to be like that, unfortunately. And like you said, it's like, people don't realize how much you are paying for, you know, not only the service that I'm doing, my experience, the time that I put into this, you know, like you said, the heartache, the hustle, the years my behind results, it. Right. Like exactly. my results, go check those out. Like, and mm-hmm. I think that I have no problem paying for information. So okay. I'm also the person that's like, uh, yeah, I could Google stuff, but if I can pay the fast pass, I'm going to go ahead and do that because my time is valuable in sourcing. Yeah. My time is more valuable editing. So, so for me, it's kind of like, again, it's in, it's investing in our business. Right. And is for me, I would rather like, I, I do most of my authentications because I know, but he's, the expert here she's the real expert here so it's like if i don't know if something's real or not my time is best spent paying p the 20 bucks and forgetting about it than to go spend three hours trying to research vintage Gucci that i've never really dealt with right. like going really to all cool. those sites like finding out like doing all the searching through like you people don't realize like that 20 dollars could better be spent on something else like people you need to value your time Right. And if, yeah. And if the profit's there, I'd rather pay the piper, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why all these services exist within the realm of what we do. And I think this is a good little segue because I was waiting for Jen to come on to start talking about this. And I know you both are very passionate about this topic, but um, I think within Poshmark in general, right now, we're seeing that there are a lot of luxury fakes and dupes. And I know, I know, the, but they already knew every it was coming. Time, Before I even said but, it, they knew it was yes. coming. And, but every time you, you, you're yeah. searching Zara, I, sometimes I found it in J Crew. Sometimes I find it, it's just everywhere. Like I'm like looking at something in J Crew, and there's like 50 million Gucci bags that show up and I'm like, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Where do we start? Yeah, I love that. Where do we start? I I feel like it is. It's taking over the platform. It's everywhere. It doesn't matter where you look. Um, I mean, it exists in every platform. It exists everywhere, whether it's in the thrift store, you know, whatever it is. But how to navigate such a thing? And then, as a business, as Poshmark, as a business, how do they, I guess, do better to get rid of all of that? This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Loaded I can't question speak for Poshmark. I yeah. can all only just give my opinion. Um, it, this is a very touchy subject. I don't even know where to start, to be honest. Um, I just think Poshmark really wanted to expand in the luxury market. They did it too quick, like super huge. Yeah. They didn't think about the whole picture. They didn't maybe put the correct, correct staff or team members, um, to moderate the app, right. you know, they have the community. They ask the community on the app. Correct. Do you, do you think this is real or fake? You know, I just, it's, yeah, it's the, very, the laughable. I don't want to yeah. be too mean and give my dry opinion, but I, I guess I can't really say much. I'm sorry. I just, I don't know. You know, it's difficult because when you're in the luxury space as a seller, I think it's very hard to come to terms with what, what's going on with all of it. Right. And how much of it exists on the platform Mm -hmm. alone and people that are buying it thinking it's real. Yeah. I mean that, that sucks. But like I said earlier, I've learned to just mind my business and make sure that my business is straight. Yeah. Keep your eyes on your own paper. Right. That's all I can do. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So true. I think that also like in a way, I don't like fakes. I don't think everyone should buy a fake. Like I'd rather buy a nice, you know, Italian leather, non-branded something than some fake junk. 
but I think it's kind of crazy because I've actually had authentic pieces taken down by Poshmark saying they're fake and then they I send them a mean email and they get put back up and then I'm like did you guys miss the, the thousands of pages of plastic Gucci out there like right. did you guys not see that right uh, but on the flip side so oddly enough always ask me if I think it affects my business I think it helps my business I think that I have such good ratings I've built such a name like people can go see that I've been doing this for a while and what my background is and I think that I don't know if you guys have seen my posts where like I'm able to sell my stuff for way more than comps yeah. I think part mm -hmm. of that is if there's a psychological aspect to pricing right I think if they see a shoe in like a, a dark kind of bad pick like a Gucci tennis shoe they're like "Ooh, is that fake and then they see mm -hmm. mine it's like well for a hundred bucks more I'd rather get the real the real thing yeah. and I think it's just perception is value right I think that's the luxury space you have to think of like you know if the price is too cheap you're going to scare the consumer away anyway the real luxury consumer because they're like no way there's this no way real. it's that price yep yeah mm -hmm. no it's true it's all about the packaging right? Presentation like, you know, matters. With Presentation absolutely. matters. Absolutely. It does. This is why hundreds of thousands of thousands of dollars are spent on packaging, right? And like the way that it's presented, visual merchandising, all of that stuff is something that you have to consider, especially when you're going to be selling higher end items. Because like you said, who's going to want to buy the Gucci you know, shoe that's on the floor next to your dirty laundry. <laughs> no one, right? I mean, me as a reseller, maybe if I know that it's authentic, but that's a different story. Right. But yeah, that's a different story. But I think you bring up a good point, yeah, about how like, I think it is a little silly that Poshmark expects random people, like, like I'll even put myself on there, you know, to be like, hey, do you think this is authentic? Yes or no? And it's like, well, I don't know. It has like two pictures, maybe, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's, it is, it, it's, it's, it is kind of all over the place right now. And, and I think it does need to be better structured and there needs to be better restrictions on that. On I don't that even platform. participate on those. Cause I'm like, oh, if you want my opinion, pay me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm exactly. Like, I'm exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely, I have never done it ever. It, it has never interested me to go on there and scroll through and try to find I did it once. for you. I did it once. Cause I was curious to see what they were going to ask yeah. me, you know, so, yeah. and it was so silly. And I'm like, this is so dumb. I'm like, so okay. not only do you want me on the platform all day, like sharing, do you also want me to be our authenticator too? I'm like, no, thanks. All right, please, so please I'm get a comment. Something now that I'm like, okay, I'm ready to share. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is how crazy Poshmark, and, and it just upsets me because I'm an authenticator Correct. and I'm like, you guys are like a, like a public company. Like you guys need to have it together. I remember months ago, and I think Issa might have had a conversation with you about this. You know how they post um, little segments on their Instagram stories, like shop this trend or shop these brand or shop this. So they were pushing luxury and they posted a picture from the community's listings, like five different luxury handbags. One of them was a Louis Vuitton multicolor handbag that was an obvious fake off that one picture. So my nosy butt goes to the app searches that seller's closet um and it's like a clear obvious fake so then in my head I'm like so social the social media person in charge of Poshmark pulled this listing without just getting like a second opinion like let's make sure and all the luxury we're pushing is authentic no mm -hmm. it was an obvious fake and I was just like how That's what is what is going really on? Bad. Okay. That's really, bad. really bad. <laughs> you, did, you did message me and we were laughing. It was so bad. You guys looked like chewy plastic. Like, like and I'm like over here trying to obvious. sell my real Louis Vuitton, but y'all can't pick me. Like, uh, yeah, what? I was going to say, you can't pick the real luxury sellers and you picked no. that. That's really bad. But this, or some I think, random person was like, oh, that's a fake <laughs> and pulls it off. <laughs> you know, I, but I think that's where I think as a business owner, you need to make the decision as to like what platform you want to use to sell your goods on. And that's a decision that you can make and um, and where you think that you're going to be, I guess, safe you know, where they're going to protect you and where they're going to back you up as a seller. And I think, you know, Poshmark has grown quickly and doesn't necessarily have all the things put in place that they need to put in place to support the people that are making them the money. Right. Um, 
I, I know that Isa, you sell on multiple platforms. It's not just Poshmark, but it is one of the places that you sell on. Um, and, and I'm like, never leaving. I'm never leaving. So, so right, no, me neither. Thing, right? Me neither. <laughs> I can talk shit all I want. I'm not leaving. Oh, I can talk shit about all of them. I could go down the list and tell you what I hate about every single one of them, right? Nope. But at the same time, I make real good money. I didn't have to build a platform. I don't have to put in marketing dollars. So if they're going to, they're, they, you know, cost of doing business, emotional cost of doing business, fighting with Poshmark people, emotional cost of doing uh, business, having eBay return stuff randomly, emotional cost of doing business, you trades you're returning everything. And tradesy you keeping know? your money for long periods of time. Tradesy keeping your money for months, you know, bestiaire, like you get offers and it's like offer, then they then if you get an offer, right, on bestiaire, then the person gets your offer and they have to still accept your offer. So it goes back and forth like three times. And I'm like, uh, everyone has their issues, right? Absolutely. But at the industry, every company doesn't matter. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But this lady right here is in it to make the dollars and I'm making the dollars. So I'm going to keep making the dollars. You know, I- I'm not going to get off any platform. For me, I don't think it makes sense to be on every single platform itself. I do the whole Pareto principle thing. Like, you know, 80% of the results are coming from 20% of those platforms. I do the big, the big, the major ones and that's it. That's, yeah. that's what is worth my time, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And I know Pete, you said you have, you know, you do Facebook lives and you sell your stuff there, which I think is great because I feel like people that I know that do it have great success with Facebook lives, no matter what it is that they're selling. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Facebook lives really like blasted off during the pandemic. Um, And I try to book one every month. I don't do it on my Facebook page. I do it on other community groups um, that have like over 50,000 members. So I get to create relationships with new customers. So I try to book one every month because they are a lot of work, but I love it because it's inventory that's already in my Shopify website I use a bot called loyal shops so what it does it gets all your uh, inventory from your Shopify and it automatically loads it onto the Facebook live and all you're doing is pulling out numbers and people can claim that number and it it gives them a link in their Facebook messenger to check out on your Shopify website so I don't have to invoice anybody um that's cool. It's it's wow. just very easy and simple, and I can make a couple thousand dollars in one hour. That's crazy. And then That's everything. crazy. I I, I no, actually like, feel like that would be fun to just watch. I might want to go to like one of yours. Yeah. Tell just me when you're doing this, another one. Yeah. Tell us when you're Have doing one on the seventeenth Thursday okay. night. Okay. I think it's when yeah Thursday night. Okay. Um, I'll put I always post it on my Instagram, yeah. but uh, if you like, if you're a plus size seller, there's such a need for that on Facebook live. Um, and Pete, you can make a couple hundred in one night. You can make a couple thousand. It all depends on your inventory, but I definitely like recommend, I love doing them. <laughs> we need to yeah. like, do a, a deep dive on that, Daniela. We really yeah, do. That sounds fascinating. Fascinating. It sounds like a, like an auction, like an old timey auction where people are like, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so a lot of consignment stores who use, um, Liberty, Liberty is a software for consignment stores. Okay. Um, that is what they use because they already enter their inventory into, into their system and it loads everything onto that loyal shops app bot. So Facebook, it's like, it's all synced, which is great. I'm actually going to do one after I get off here for one of my clients that I'm helping her in her store. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have one for Instagram, which is why I haven't done lives on Instagram yeah. because I don't want okay. to take the time to like, see who claimed what. And yeah, I mean, it's scrolling through all the comments. like, I, I don't want to do all that. So I love yeah. this little bot that I use because it does it all for me. I love wow. how streamlined something so comp- something that seems to be so complicated has now they've created something that can streamline it all. It makes it so much easier as a seller because you don't really have to do anything. It's just, okay, I got to ship this yeah. item off. It's sold. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. See, reselling no, has so many cool. different things that you can do. You can find all different, so many ways different to sell things. Um, well, all, I all different ways to find stuff. Absolutely. And all different ways to find things. If yep. anything, this yep. episode has, <laughs> uh, has taught every, it should have taught everyone that there are just multiple ways to not only acquire inventory, but to run a successful be- business and 
it's important to know what all that means to you. Don't just follow what everyone else is doing out there, which is so easy to do because it's just the world that we live in. We live in a social media world. It's so easy to just follow and mimic someone else, but like take the time to really understand your own business and what you want to get out of it. Um, I obviously want to be mindful of everyone's time, but before I have a couple other things, ready? The first one is I want each of you to give me either like one, two, three tips, whatever you feel like giving to the resellers who are listening right now, um, based off of your experience, like what are the top three things that you want to share with the community that's listening that they should maybe take a, I don't know, a, another look on or something to help improve themselves as sellers. Okay. I'll start. Cause I have two off the top of my head. Okay. I've said this a couple times already. Number one, mind your business, meaning look clapping, at your business. Clapping. If you need help, <laughs> you know, East is a great option to help you. Like if you need help like, looking like where your needs are, yep. um, mind your business. Don't compare yourself because Isa doesn't have two children. Like I do, you know, Correct. she don't got to make dinner every night. You know, Correct. we have different needs, you know, um, the other one would be at Evernorth health services. We believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best it's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder just do it i i like i keep telling myself like i could have been done this you know i was mm-hmm. i have done this years ago yep I wish I would Mm -hmm. but I was too scared to do something on my own so whatever you have on your to-do list like I need to do this I need to do this but I'm scared or you know it's a lot of um, money I need to invest in whatever it is honestly do it and do it now because right now it e-commerce is like blowing up especially resale insanely where I'm lucky I got into resale e-commerce luxury back in 2018 like, had I done it even sooner, I, you know, like I would be somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, time, yeah. just do it. I don't have a third one. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, that was three yeah, technically. No, great. That was three, <laughs> but no, but in, I, I have to agree with you. You know, I sold for fun when I was younger, but if I would have actually understood mm-hmm. what that meant at that oh age, my God. where yeah. I would be today is completely different. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't be working where I am right now. I could tell you that, but mm-hmm. I, you know, one day, my goal in life one day is to be my own boss. And I don't know how long it's going to take me to get there, but it's going to happen because that's the type of mentality that I have. And I will do what I need to do to get there because I know the power of that. And that's my ultimate goal. I want to be a mommy someday and I want to be home. So I want to make my own schedule and I I don't want to have to work for someone else, even if it's just for a short period of time. You know what I mean? Like during those years that I really want to be there. When they're really small or something. Exactly. And then maybe I'd want to go back. I don't know. But like, we all have our whys to why we do these things. And yes, I like to make money too, Mm -hmm. because I like things. So that's another (laughs) aspect of it all. (laughs) Lisa, your turn. So for me, I think the part, you know, my, my pet peeve is keep the cost of goods low. So yeah. I'm going to counter that with like, look at the potential profit first and then go back and see if the cost makes sense. Yeah. That's a better measure of like something's a good investment or not. Like keep your cost of goods low by itself means nothing to me. So I'm really mad at it, but she's really mad. It's like the fifth time she's brought it up. So, so the other thing is your business does not care about your feelings or your emotions or your thoughts or your fears or your past experiences. Your business cares about math. So when you hear yourself saying, I think, I feel, I believe, well, where are the facts on that sister? Because I don't, you know, that doesn't mean much unless you can back it up. And then what are your personal goals, right? Like, again, he has kids, like we're all in different, you know, situations in life. And so I can afford to risk a lot right now, you know, if you can't, 
you've got to do what's best for your business. And so I think that kind of what he said, mind your own business, but kind of like make sure that the decisions you're taking are the best for your set of goals and your business and what you're trying to build and where you're trying to go and what your ultimate goal is, right? It's different if someone's just trying to pay off their credit card for two grand versus someone trying to pay off a house versus, you know, sending kids to college versus, you know, that dream travel, whatever it is, it's just very different for each of us. So kind of like stay in your lane. Everyone's situation is different, right? Absolutely. Everybody's in different stages of, of their lives. So why why compare? I mean, it's literally you're comparing apples to oranges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and the you, reality of it. And you can't compare businesses. All of our businesses are different. We may all have similar things that we do or similar things that we buy and sell and all that kind of stuff, but we all run very different businesses depending on the needs that we have in our life. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important to remember. Social media is fun. It's great to network and great. And it's a great way to make friends and, and learn about others, but really just take the time to focus on yourself and what it is that you need to do. And these two ladies can help you with that. So um, we will have all their stuff linked. If you want to do Issa's consultation, that'll be linked in the show notes. You guys can, can sign up for that. We both highly recommend it. We have, we know people that have done it. We both trust Isa. So if you are looking for that and you want that data and you need someone to help you break down that data, it's a great option for you. And, and, you know, and just remember, you're not spending this money. You're investing in your business. You have to think of it like that when you're going to be doing some consultation work with either one of these two ladies or whatever it is, you're investing in yourself. You're investing in your business. So sometimes I find that that's an easier pill for people to swallow. Yep, absolutely. And then if you're looking to authenticate items and you don't feel comfortable going to these other third parties and you want a real person to be there to authenticate it for you, then definitely check out P on Instagram. Do you have a website, P, or is it just strictly on Instagram? For the love of luxury.net. All right, perfect. So there's nothing like having that peace of mind. I think that's the key, right? For P too, as we move into this luxury stuff, she was talking about the vintage. There's a there's a lot of opportunity in those like older pieces and stuff you just need the expert so make sure that you build that into your pricing because like if you want to get into it it's definitely a good option to start trying but build P's consultation into it or it's just going to be a waste of time trying to figure it out if it's authentic or not. Absolutely. And for $20, $20, you can spend in two days buying a Starbucks coffee. So let's just throw that out there. (laughs) Like I said, to have that peace of mind and to put that, like if you're, you're selling a luxury piece and you're not sure to at least put those words, like recently authenticated, you know, like that just also gives your seller a peace of mind too. like to know this person is like taking their time to get the authentication and to know. And then if you have any issues, you know, like if somebody tries to tell you that this piece is not authentic, it's like, no, I went through the extra steps and I did this and here's X, Y, Z, and here's my proof, all that stuff. It's about you doing your due diligence, right? When it comes to the items that you're selling on your, in your store. Absolutely. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I love talking to you both anyway. So maybe I'm a little biased, but I think this is a really great conversation for everyone, even just, just to hear the real truth. That's what we're here at Thriftersville. This is what we do. We give you the truth. We give you everyone's perspective. Not everything is going to be sunshine and rainbows because that's not how the world works. But I just think this is a real conversation about business and how business runs, how two business women do it, who both work in the luxury space, but also have two very different business models do two very different things, um, but have an end goal that's very similar. So thank you both for taking time to talk to us today. Thank you ladies so much. And just thank you just guys. for being you. Really fun. Yeah. I loved it. Love thank it. you guys for having us. Perfect. All right, everyone. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.